Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps. Hello, patron peeps. It's Scoots here, and I'm here to uh, uh, loan soothe you with a look at episode one of the facts behind Great British Bake Off. Uh, the second half of the show will come up with most of the cooking kind of facts, and this will be, there's still some ingredients and in, in, there's still, you know, just stuff. This is the ones that uh, came to my attention that I boxed in my notes. I said, I got to figure out what they're talking about. And so we're going to start off with Lovejoy, which I thought was an actual, this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not swift on the uptick. I guess I got to get my, you know, the, no one's asked, ever asked me, Scoots, do you get your Brit box on? And I'd say, I'm sorry. Like, is that like when I do uh, breakdancing to Britney Spears? No, not lately. No, your Brit box. Brit box. And oh, you no, know, but I know, you know, I know what I mean. But so Lovejoy is a British uh, television comedy drama series. Now, wait till you hear who starred in it. This is absolutely mind blowing for me. And how, you know, my, like, uh, not great, not myopic. I don't know. I said, how did I not know about this? It's a British comedy drama mystery series, as I said, based on the picturesque novels by John Grant under the pen name Jonathan Gash. Uh, it ran 71 episodes over six series. It was uh, broadcast on BBC One. Oh, this is why. Between January 1986 and December 1994. Though there was a five-year gap, that's an interesting, between the first and second series. Uh, and uh, Ian McShane uh, is one of the stars of the show. You want the overview? It chronicles the adventures of the, the uh, epinot, what does that say? Like the of Lovejoy, played by Ian McShane, a roguish antique stealer. Uh, he, he's, uh, like, uh, he has a really, he has a knack, they'd say, for recognizing items. This was, and not real items. So this was before that show that was really popular. Uh, what was that called? Is my junk, it's on PBS, which I love, but I don't know what the name of the show is. It's like, is my junk worth money? I think it's called something more antiques or antique or my wallet's taking a leak. I don't know what it's called, but it's like where people bring their antiques and they say, is this worth some money? I think it is. I'm, and they say, I'm sorry. Or they say, would you believe this is uh, not worth anything? Or they say, this is a, this is an actual hay penny. It's actually worth, uh, you know, 4 million hay pennies. Okay. But how much is that? Well, $200,000. You say, What? But this was before that, and a uh, uh, frequent rogue antique dealer. Wouldn't it be an antique dealer with roguish qualities, they said earlier? It was notable for its style and pa 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 pacing. Oh, Lovejoy would break the fourth wall. Might have to watch some of this. Uh, let's see. But despite its moderate success, it wasn't brought back. It started in 1986 and then wasn't brought back till 1991. Uh, there was changes in the cast, but uh, sounds I mean sounds interesting. Also eye opening. Now I tried to guess at why they did Back to the Future to open this, uh, but uh, I guess what happened was uh, so this is from RadioTimes.com. Bake Off host Nolan Sandy uh, go Back to the Future. 
they were poking fun at Peru, who revealed last year's winners winner too early. Uh, so they did a skit, skit about her Twitter blunder. Because uh, I guess she revealed the she accidentally revealed the Great British Bake Off champion from the previous season, not the season we're covering. They, the Bake Off production company had sent Peru a message telling her to remember to congratulate the winner after 10.30 p.m., but she was on holiday. And so, like, I mean, that's that's totally understandable. So, and I mean, that's actually, show, it should be even, not only is it understandable, it should actually show, it should even be a step above, like, uh, it should be held in esteem. I mean, I understand why they're making fun of it on the show, but, like, that Peru sends out her own tweets. uh one, she should probably be paid. That means she should negotiate for way more money because, uh, oh, so that means the last season, I thought Peru was new this season. But anyway, they should pay her, like, a lot more money because, I mean, what in the hay? Like, uh, if she doesn't have somebody doing her tweets for her, then she's like, she might as well just have a sleep podcast. Uh, actually, like, I have to, so, but anyway, so... Like, I mean, seriously, like, it's like she should have an assistant. Uh, okay, what's clotted cream, I asked myself. Uh, it's called, sometimes called scalded, 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 clouded, clouded cream, the cream that runs my life. Uh, Cornish cream or Devonshire cream on this episode, I think it does. It's a thick cream made by indirectly heating full cream milk using steam or water bath. Uh, and then leaving it in shallow pans to cool, cool slowly. During this time, the cream rises to the top, uh, but it clots or clouts, hence the name. It's an essential part of cream tea, and uh, it's a nutty, having a nutty cooked milk flavor, rich sweet flavor that's grainy, sometimes oily. Originally made by farmers to reduce the amount of waste from milk, uh, it's become deep-rooted in the culture of Britain and embedded as part of a tourism, even. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot more about it. But, uh, uh, yeah, in the 70s, it came in. You could buy it in a tin. Again, I need I need to find some butter in the tin just for my, you know, like extra kit for uh, unexpected circumstances. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more about it. You could use this cream tea, confectionery, savory dishes, uh, historical cabbage cream, which does not contain cabbage, was a delicacy in the 17th century, where layers of cottage cream were interspersed with sugar and rose water, creating a cabbage-like effect. Uh, so that's that's a little bit about cottage cream. No, what, what if someone said you live in a creamy cottage? I'd say a cottage made of cream that would not be conducive, like it wouldn't last long, right? Unless you lived on a tundra, and then no one would know. They'd say, "What is this place made of snow?" You see, no, it's cottage made. Of, it's cottage cottage of cream. Cream. I call that's why I call it the cream cottage. Uh, you see, well, oh, and you see, yeah. When we when I use when I keep it warm in here. You just have to, uh, that's how I, that's how I stay. So, uh, it lasts me the entire winter. Then I, then in the spring, I make a new place, uh, right, right at the first freeze, I build a new cottage of cream. 
I'm sorry, what? Yeah, so I sustained myself on my cottager cream all winter because the heat, it, it, the heat, it slowly, my walls slowly thin throughout winter because I use it in my tea, my savory dishes, my confectionaries. Uh, use it to, you know, I have that sec- sec- separate area for my livestock or whatever. So they, you know, they they can consist on cream, the ones that can consume cottage cream. So, yes, I live in a cottage made of cream. That could be, like, no, I'm not some SpongeBob square pants. I'm uh, northern, I don't know, wooden spoon. What about Brittany, uh, which came up this episode? I think that's where Manon's from. It's a cultural region in the west of France, uh, covering the western part uh, of what was known as Armorica during Roman occupation. It was united with the kingdom in France in the 1500s. Uh, has also been referred to as less or lesser or Little Britain. Oh, this, that's what she was saying, is that Brittany reminds her. Uh, it's bordered by the English Channel to the north, um, in Normandy to the northeast, the Bay of Biscay to the south, and the Celtic Sea and the Atlantic Sea to the west. So it's like a, a little a peninsula, right? Is it an isthmus or a peninsula? I think it's in a peninsula. I don't think a isthmus. Uh, it's a peninsula. It looks a bit like a puppet, uh, a sock puppet with a tongue. Uh, that not like like some sort of you say like the like something you'd say. Oh, I'm I'm one of those fire breathing li- like for, for forest friends. It's a, a site of some of the old world's oldest standing architecture. Uh, dating back to the 5th century B.C. Uh, it has five French departments. Uh, let's see, 2010 census, there's 4 million, 4.4 million people there. Uh, largest uh, metropolitan areas are Nantes, Nantes, uh, Rennes, uh, Brist, Brist. Uh, I don't know if those are, are close uh, correct or not. Uh, has prehistoric, oh, it has uh, stones. I got to go there, man. I love going, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of those, uh, uh, like, like, like these sites. Uh, I mean, especially the ones that aren't as like, tried. I go, I think I went to Stonehenge or maybe I didn't even go there because they said, well, I need to lie around the stones for a while. Let's see. Homo sapiens settled in Brittany around 35,000 years ago. Um, but has it been inhabited by humans? Yes, since the lower Paleolithic. First settlers were Neanderthals. Um, I want to see about these. Uh, oh, yeah, it has uh, some, uh, it is known as a core area of megalithic culture. Uh, it has stone rows. Uh, there's stuff on the southern coast. Uh, it has megaliths, Karnak stones. So that really, I mean, that's appealing to me for sure. Also has some Roman structures. Um, yeah, it's got, man, it's surrounded by sea. I wonder what the distance from one side to the other is. Let me see if I can get a, there's a lot about the history, a lot of history. Capital city, subdivisions, reunifications, political, okay, geography. is the largest French peninsula. It's about 13,000 square miles. Uh, 
It has uh, cliffs, capes, uh, has a vast natural harbor, 40 islands, uh, almost what is a closed sea, 800 islands lie off the mainland. We'll have to look up the temperature geology. Like, is there swimming areas is my next question. It's in the northern temperate zone. So it can, oh, yeah, probably the highs are about 86 degrees. uh, But the climate remains comfortable. Uh, the difference between summer and winter is only 15 degrees. Ooh, maybe I'll, uh, if anybody's there and wants to give me dual citizenship, I would, this sounds like the kind of place I would live. I mean, that's about the Bay Area. It doesn't get much above 85. Uh, so I don't know the distance because I was like, well, I'd like to walk around there, but, uh. Yeah, it looks lovely. So definitely a place I'd like to visit. I've never been to France uh, in my life. Uh, so that's part, you know, one of my dreams of doing one day. So that's a little bit about Brittany. Uh, what else we got? Oh, uh, what is this called? Uh, oh, so Irish, there, there was a flower uh, hole. I forgot what it was called. Uh, uh, but it's also known as Irish style flower. According to King Arthur's baking, it's uh you can bake Ireland's signature, ooh, signature, oh, wholemeal flour. So if you want to build, make an Irish-style uh, wholemeal or brown bread, it's coarsely ground from red whole wheat. Uh, it's a soft flour. Uh, the, theirs is uh, King Arthur's, and it can make traditional Irish breads. Uh, you can use it in any non-yeast bread recipe calling for wholemeal flour, but it's ideal for Irish brown breads. Uh, these dense, complex-tasting loaves have a few ingredients. Uh, wow, so that sounds great. I might have to order some of that. I mean, my favorite bread is uh, like a, a dark rye, then rye, you know, or mar- well, I see dark rye, then mar- rye or marble rye, pumpernickel, anything in that range. So I don't know if this is anything like that, but it, you know, it does. It's uh, kosher and it has thirty grams of whole grains per serving. So that's like right in. That's a bread you can eat. So I'll have to remind myself to go to King Arthur Baking later and put in an order because uh, I was going to order some stuff from there anyway. Uh, what about pot noodle? I said okay, that's probably like ramen or a cup of noodle. Well, not cup of noodle because cup of noodle is not ramen. So let's find out which one it is. Is it cup? Of, it's a brand of instant noodle snack. Uh, yeah, dehydrated food consists of wide noodles, so maybe it is like somewhere between it, or sort of dry vegetables and flavoring. And yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. We usually have new, you know, ramen in a cup, which I forget what that's called. Instant ramen. I don't know. What it's called uh, instant. No, I don't know. In the U.S. There's like two competing brands, at least on the West Coast. Uh, uh, cup, but a cup of noodle is something different. That's like you put it in a coffee cup, uh, and then you put boiling water in there. That was what we had as kids. Uh, again, another dehydrated soup. Uh, but this this product is packaged in a plastic pot uh, that you can eat out of. Uh, many pots contain a sauce, such as soy sauce. It's linked to lad culture. Uh, let's see. It started in 58. Oh, instant noodles. So then in 1977, it's uh, made in Wales right now. Uh, oh, they even had a pot noodle mine commercial. 175 million pots annually. 
it has been involved in a bunch of controversy with its ads. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, you say, oh boy, it has other things, but, uh, I was hoping more of, uh, pictures of the different ones, but the one picture on, um, it looks like it, it's, it's, yeah. So the one picture is not helpful. Uh, but yeah, it's a, that they said, well, so if you, if you're in the UK, let me know. Sounds like it's a wide flat noodle and not a ramen noodle. Uh, so I don't know what flavors they have. I may can look that up later. Okay. Gingham. Uh, gingham is a medium weight, balanced, plain woven fabric made from dye cotton or cotton blend yarn. It's made of carded, medium, or fine yarns. Uh, uh, it may or, uh, be based on, uh, like a, like a, it may, let's see. Oh, it's from, wait a second. Speculated that the fabric now known as gingham may have been made in Brittany, France. Yeah, that's interesting connection. Along with muslin, gingham is also often used as a test fabric. Uh, gingham shirts have been worn by mods since the 1960s, but that's a citation needed. Uh, oh, this is all from uh, oh, gingham cloth, but it's with wet and wet, wet, white and red checks. So they would say the gingham, whatever, but the gingham thing, the gingham basket, what do they say on the show? But, uh, it's really, that's short for checked. It's gingham with checked, but I think that's become shorthand. Okay. Here's just something we've asked ourselves and maybe, you know, the answer, they were in the same clothes. Clearly the bake-off takes place over weekend each uh, episode. So what's up with them wearing the same clothes? Uh, and do they ha- does it get washed as soon as they go back to the rooms? Uh, and this is from the Express uh, UK. I'm trying to figure out who wrote it. Uh, Alex Davies. This is from uh, October 1st, 2019. And uh, this is talking about whatever the season, but why. Has the new contestants been whittled down? There's elimination. Uh, everybody said goodbye. Why do British Bake Off contestants wear the same clothes? Uh, over two days, the GBBO, you know, the, the filming takes place over two days. Uh, they do three challenges, uh, and uh, each episode runs for an hour to an hour, 15 minutes. Uh, but there's so much footage cram in one uh, program. Continuity is key. And that's why Kim Joy thought uh, she had to wear the same clothes. Uh, I know we have to wear the same clothes, but I don't know the actual reason why, but I've heard a lot of them. And one is that it's nice for continuity. And uh, it's also easier for, for people to see who you are, I guess. Uh, maybe that's the most logical answer. Uh, especially in the first few weeks when there's so many people, it's easier for them to identify you by your clothes a lot of the time. Uh, discussing more of what fans don't see off camera, uh, Kim Joy also touched on the show's aftercare process. Aftercare has been a much talked about topic, uh, and she said it was very helpful. They call you a lot and check in on you, Kim Joy said. We had a lot of support throughout the show while it was aired, so I liked being able to catch up so often. It was helpful to put things in perspective. Uh, so we didn't really get an answer there. That was, that was the clickbait, uh, for sure. I mean, those are some good reasons, though. But it didn't answer, too. Oh, here's one from Mental Flaws. Uh, so maybe this answers it. This is uh, 
15 behind the scenes secrets of the great British baking show by, uh, or great. Yeah. By mental floss UK from September 19th, 2018 by Sarah Dobbs. Problem is a lot of these things have pop-up ad, video ads. Uh, okay. So why does it have two different names? Well, that's because the company in the United States owns the name great British, great bake Pillsbury bake off. I'll just say it, uh, and they don't want it to confuse people. I don't think it's a show, though, but whatever. Uh, they had it, had it since 1949. Each oven has to be tested every day. Uh, so every day of filming, each oven has to be tested, and they're tested with cakes. Uh, they kick a Victoria sponge cake in it to make sure everything's working. Each time someone opens an oven door, there's a camera, because that's when there's going to be drama. Uh, it must be a hassle with a lot of camera people with 10 bakers at the beginning. The contestants have to wear the same clothes all weekend. It's a minor thing, but have you noticed that they wear the clothes, even though it's shot over two days? It's for continuity purposes. Uh, if you're the, oh, they don't like it. They, they don't refer to them. Luckily they change the aprons. Uh, so the aprons, I mean, I'm telling you, I would sweat so much, uh, uh, contestants don't have a lot of downtime. Uh, having any time to spare is not something the contestants, uh, this contestant Jane Beadle remembers. Uh, maybe once or twice we would have tea and chat. Uh, but they don't like it if you have nothing to do. So they make the challenges keep you busy. Uh, the illustrations are created by Tom Hovey after the episode has been filled. The contestants don't interact with the judges very much. Making sure that the technical challenge is possible is one person's job. So there's more. We'll probably go back to this article down the road because there's a lot there. Oh, fiendish. I I circled this word. Uh, Fiendish. F-I-E-N-D-I-S-H. Means not very nice. uh, Or stronger than not very nice. Okay, what else do we have here? Just checking on our time. Oh, Sue Pollard, I wanted to get to. Sue Pollard, this is now this is going to be news to me. I know nothing uh, other than that someone said she looks like Prue, or did they say she looks like uh, someone else? Sue Pollard uh, is an English actress, singer, author, and songwriter. Her career spanned over 45 years. Uh, she was a BAFTA winner uh, for the sitcom Heidi High. She also appeared in You Rang My Lord and Oh Doctor Beeching. She has a lengthy theater CV, 35 stage plays and musicals, uh, 40 pantomimes. Uh, she had a number two UK hit with uh, Starting Together in 1986. And she's known for her unusual, un- unusual and flamboyant dress sense, according to Wikipedia. Uh, let's just see if there's anything else. Uh, I mean, there's, she's got like, holy cow, like a lot of theater. She'd been in a lot of good stuff. She played Miss Hannigan. I mean, the Pirates of Penzance, I just bought that record. Uh, TV roles from 1978 to 2020. TV appearances from 74 to probably 2020. Yep. Uh, 2019, but that's when I'm looking at it. Bunch of singles, two albums. Maybe she looked like Karen, they were saying. Okay, what about Bjork? Uh, 
someone else said somebody else looked like Bjork. Maybe uh, Noel said Kim Joy looked like Bjork. Uh, just in case, is an Icelandic uh, singer, songwriter, record producer, actress, and DJ. Four-decade career, influence on this podcast. Uh, began her career at the age of 11. Uh, then was the lead singer of the Sugar Cubes in the 80s and 90s. Uh, then went solo and has had an amazing solo career. One of the Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Singers and Songwriters. Uh, she's also acted in uh, films. Uh, she won Best Actress for Dancer in the Dark at the 2000 Con. Uh, she also was nominated for an Academy Award for the song I've Seen It All. Uh, she's also an environmental advocate uh, and really just an amazing, uh, amazing, in my opinion, person and, 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 and just creative influence and just cool. Uh, let's see, we have anything else? Super. Oh, one more thing. We'll just, I just wanted to open. This is uh, from Epicurious, uh, Eight Essential Biscuit Archetypes. But I think this is U.S. focused. It's by Gabriella Vigoro. Uh, there's, uh, eight biscuits, the angel biscuit, which is a, yeah, this is us centric buttermilk biscuit, crumbly biscuit, drop biscuit, drop biscuits require no cutting or rolling out, which makes them, uh, you know, more useful savory biscuit, salt, like a salt and pepper one, a cream biscuit, a sandwich biscuit, uh, which is more sturdy but delicate to stand up to the filling, sweet potato biscuit. So that sounds just like stuff you'd say, keep going on and on, biscuit, biscuit, biscuit. But uh, here's uh, Scoots coming up here. I'm going to throw from Scoots to Scoots uh, with uh, some more facts directly looked up uh, via the old Wikipedia wormhole. Uh, Thanks. All right, hey everybody. So this is a. I'm recording this first, but I think this will be the back half of the uh, episode for the first two episodes of Great British Bake Off. This will kind of be like the facts behind the episode. So the second half, the part I'm recording now is more Wikipedia facts based on the show, and like actually, I don't know. Like this is the first time I'm recording it, and. Uh, I don't even know what the interest level was on this, but I got to record stuff far ahead of time. So I'm recording it, and then we'll see if the interest will be there to keep making these. But uh, you probably, hopefully, like you're chilling or sleeping or relaxing. If you're relaxing, hey, what's up? Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, Great British Bake Off uh, episodes one and two. I don't know what season it is yet, uh, which is. Uh, GBBO, British Television Baking Competition, produced by Love Productions. That's our first question, Love Productions. That comes up a lot. Uh, UK-based television production company uh, makes a great British bake-off. Has 54 productions in the company's credits as of February 2018. Uh, Sky got a 70% stake in 2014. Sky bought the remaining shares. Uh, here's some of the productions they made. Benefit Street, Cirque de Celebrité, uh, Famous and uh, something, uh, Junior Bake Off, Make Bradford British, uh, Baby Baby something, Biggest Little Railway in the World, Great British Bake Off, Chronicles of Nadia, Great British Sewing Bee. It looks like they only had one season. 
Great Pottery Throwdown. I love that. The Great Pottery Throwdown. 12 block of commons. Uh, West side. So something. So uh, let's see. Great British Bake Off moved from BBC Two to BBC One after three series to its popularity. But towards the end of series six, their profits were de- decreasing. The company wished to remain on BBC One. However, the asking price was too much. Uh, and uh, then they moved to Channel Four uh, because most and most of the um, show's presenters did not make the move. Uh, so I don't know. We'll probably learn more as we, I don't I, like, I don't know if I was, I'm late to the game for the competition. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, we're still, we're watching with uh, Prue, Paul, I think Prue's first season, Paul, Noel, and Sandy. It looks like it's uh, originally with the Sue Perkins, uh, Sue, Mel, Mary, and Paul. With uh, oh Paul uh, yeah and then uh, oh now when it moved to Channel Four is when Matt Lucas came on I think I don't know it's credited this according to Wikipedia everything this part from here on is credited with you know getting baking fever uh, going production it changed its name in America to whatever Great British Baking Show because. Uh, uh, things and we're just going to go into some of the stuff that came up in the season which was uh series i don't know series one series two series three series four five six are we on six now seven um no here we are series nine which came out in 2018 that's with nolan sandy paul paul and Peru. And we'll probably have to look up different stuff, but let's like learn about this Paul Hollywood. Is that really his name? I don't know. Uh, he's an English celebrity chef, television presenter. He's been on GGBBO since 2010. Started his father's bakery. Uh, then he began doing, uh, like, uh, then he went on to serve a uh, head baker in a number of hotels. Uh, he, he's been, not just, doesn't do shows. He does shows about cars too. He's born in 1966 in Cheshire. Oh yeah. Son of bakery proprietor, John F. Hollywood. Uh, he studied sculpture, then left to work as a baker. I guess my main question was, is he, is his name really Paul Hollywood? Uh, which according to this, it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, that was my main. That was my main interest. So, uh, so it's good to know. Okay, so let's go to episode one, uh, biscuits. Uh, so episode one, biscuits. We're going to look up some different facts. Uh, link from Wikipedia. Uh, wagon wheels was one thing. We maybe even talked about this because we did a two part for this one. But you know, it's good to recover this stuff. Uh, it's a snack food. Uh, it was created by Gary or Jerry Weston, son of Garfield Weston. It was a business in Australia and in England. He placed two Marie biscuits around a marshmallow filling covered with chocolate. Uh, they were originally called Weston Wagon Wheels, uh, because they popularized, you know, Wild West was popular at the time. This was in 1948, uh. They're now produced by Arnos Biscuits. Uh, 
Uh, they were sold in 20, 2003. I've looked at them. I almost bought them, but they're a little spendy on Amazon. Uh, similar to moon pies in the U.S., but I think a little bit different. And I haven't had a moon pie. Uh, you know, the new moon pies got ruined for me because the only time, and I, told, I had a couple episodes about this, I went to summer camp once for a week. Um, and, uh, like, they, you were, I think that was what they served for, like, the free dessert with the food, like, lunch and dinner, or just dinner was moon pies. Uh, and I used to just take them, even though, like, I think you, they were help yourself. So I'd keep them, like, under my pillow. So I mostly ate smushed moon pies that had either been in my pocket or under a pillow. And I never really developed a, a real strong love of them. Uh, let's see. French and Saunders do a skit, a comedy special skit about them. Previously, slogans for the product have been a taste or adventure. If there's a bigger bite, it can't be found. It's more than a biscuit. It's a mighty big snack. Uh, Eat the wagon wheel was uh, something. You've got to grin it to get it in. That's their current slogan. And they have different flavors. Uh, the original wagon wheel is called chocolate. has marshmallow center and not a jam center. So they have original jammy toffee. That sounds really good. Double chalk, uh, orange caramel. Banoff, banoffee, banoffee, and uh, Big Country, which is malted. I would, I'd definitely like to try Big Country, toffee, and um, caramel. So that's a little bit about uh, wagon wheels. Let's see what other stuff we want to look up here. Okay, turmeric. Uh, that's something I like. Uh, it's a flowering plant of the ginger family. Uh, let's see. It's been used uh, for thousands of years. It's also a part of uh, different traditional medicines. Um, it was first used as a dye. Uh, and if you've ever handled it, you know why. Because it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's a better, it's not a mustardy color. It's, a, what does it have? A little bit more orange than a mustard, powdered mustard. And it really is, it's part of whatever they call it. Uh, like you may, you can have it at bedtime. It's supposed to be good for you. Uh, let's see, there's a lot in this one if you really want to look up. Inflorescent flower. and At the top of the inflorescence, the stem bracts are present. Uh, phytochemistry. It's one of the key ingredients in many uh, dishes. Mustard-like. Er, oh, mustard-like, huh? This earthy aroma, pungent, slightly bitter flavor. can be used in savory dishes and some sweet dishes. Uh um, let's see, widely used as a spice in South Asian and Middle Eastern cooking. Uh, turmeric, that's how you say it, right? Turmeric is still, uh, it has a curcumin, which is like, uh, supposedly in an orange colored volatile oil. Um, indicator, I don't know what that means. It grows wild in the forests of South and Southeast Asia. And uh, let's see. Oh, there's other ones. Sometimes people put other stuff in there that's not like they say, oh, no, this is turmeric. And when it's not, it's going a lot, going undergo a lot. Of, it's going undergoing a lot of studies uh, because curcumin is one of these uh, anti inflammatory and may have anti inflammatory properties. And it goes in golden milk. The only problem with using straight homemade turmeric or turmeric in your golden milk, if you're making it at home, 
is I don't think we have it like you can get, you can get it ground into fine enough powder. And I don't know if you can even do that with your home grinder. And so what's end up, ends up happening is that it has like a, a gritty feel, but the, to, like we could solve that by going the old commercial route. Uh, and some great options are Trader Joe's has their own golden milk or something like it. They say, you know, in the tradition of golden milk, uh, former sponsor, theirs was not gritty, uh, for Sigmatic. They're like, I've keep, keep an eye out for it. Uh, theirs was really good. It was never gritty uh, and it comes in a packet. And then I tried another one by Gaia. Um, and that one was a little bit, it had a little grit to it. And, and the only thing is that it's like, a, if you're having it kind of like as an, an, a dessert alternative, I guess I would say that's how I usually have it. Like, uh, similar to having a cocoa at night and it's something I really enjoy. I don't drink it every night, but when I do, I drink golden milk. Okay. I got to stay on task though. Goose, goose narg. Uh, this is Anthony who's working on G-O-O-S-N-A-R-G-H -S cakes. Uh, and of course it's loading slowly. So, uh, um, we may have to, uh, come back to it. Oh, it might just be my phone. My, my, uh, yeah, it's just my wife. I was not working with me. Okay. Goosnarg. Goosnarg is a village in the city of a civil parish in the city of Preston and, Lancashire, 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 uh, lies between Broughton and Longridge, uh, and, uh, the ancient center lies the civil parish of Gushnarg, Gushnarg, uh, population of 1,200 people in 2001, increased to, to 1,300 people in 2011. Uh, the name means Gosen's Hill Pasture. And it derives from Gosen or Gusan, an uh, old uh, Irish personal name. And Erg, or Erg, E-R-G, Norse, Norse for hill pasture. Uh, let's see, it's, uh, um, uh, this is about the church. It has uh, St. Mary's uh, the Virgin and Trinity Methodist Church. Uh, two public houses, uh, the grapes and the stag's head. The bush bushel arms is also located, but it's a private residence. Oh, it's closed in 2010. There's post office. I mean, it sounds like a nice place to visit, and they have their cakes. Uh, that Anthony two miles out of village is Yeehorns Inn, noted for its roast duck, uh, and has the Gusnark Brewing Company. And I guess there's also five of the ten. Uh, Lancashire cheese dairies are located uh, nearby. So you go on a cheese tour. That'd be pretty nice. Uh, also appears in uh, So Long and Thanks for All the uh, Fish. Uh, it's a Beetlegeisen word uh, used by Ford Perfect. Uh, that's funny. Uh, it's, is, that one of, is that the fourth book in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxies? Or the second book or the third? I don't know. Okay, what about Bristol scoots? Yeah, let's let's tour over to Bristol, Southwest England. Four hundred sixty-three thousand people, tenth largest population in the district in England. Uh, the urban area is seven hundred twenty-four thousand, which is the eighth largest in the UK. Uh, South Wales lies across the estuary. Uh, Iron Age hill forts and Roman villas were built near the confluence of the rivers of Frome and Avon. Uh, and they say, Scoots, don't you speak English? I say, well, not very well. Um, 
It was a starting place for many voyages of exploration. A ship out of Bristol by John Cabot, a Venetian, became the first European to land in North America. Listen to this one, William Weston. I don't know if it's one of the Weston of the Wagon Wheel Biscuits fame. Um, let's see. Its modern economy is built on media, electronics, and aerospace. Uh, it uh, The city has the largest circulating community currency, the Bristol Pound, which is pegged to the sterling. It has the University of Bristol and the University of West England. And, uh, yeah, it was founded about 1,000. Uh, became a trading center by 1020. A lot of history there, a lot of history. So that's just, what about Shrews, Shrewsbury cake? You're right, yeah, we should keep it a food. Classic English dessert named after Shrewsbury, made from a dough, sugar, flour, egg, butter, and lemon zest. Uh, they can be small in size uh, for with tea or large in size for dessert. Uh, they could date back to 1602. Uh, they were mentioned in a play in 1700. Uh, the complete cook of 1658, there was a recipe for them. And today in India, Shrewsbury biscuits are one of the more popular biscuits, uh, produced locally. And in is New Zealand, uh, they have a jammy dodger. Oh no, it's similar to a jammy dodger. It's called the Shrewsbury biscuit there. Uh, it, uh, it, uh. It yeah, predates James Cook's trip to the islands by at least 100 years. What about Aberfra? Yeah, Aberfra. Who are you calling Aberfra? Aberfra. Let's do Rosewater. Oh, Ginger Nuts, of course. Aberfra is a small village on the southwest coast of the Isle of Angsley. 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 And, uh, let's see, Aberfra. So I don't know if John's from here, but this was John's thing. Uh, let's see what we got here. There's Aberfra Village, a uh, population of 620, uh, 67% speak Welsh. Oh, yeah, nearby uh, attractions include Lillen Cornyn, Coron, uh, a lake, uh, a Neolithic burial chamber, a 7th century church. It has sandy beaches. It got the Blue Flag Rural Beach Award in 2005. Uh, it has a post office, uh, St. Bruno's Church, uh, and uh, an association football team. And, yes, yeah, 620. Oh, yeah, most of this repeating. Okay. Rosewater. What is rosewater? Well, it's a water made by steeping rose petals in water. Uh, or additionally, it is a hydrosol portion of the distillate of rose petals, a byproduct of the ro- production of rose oil for perfume. It can be used to flavor food or some cosmetic or medical preparations or religious purposes. Rose syrup is a syrup made from rose water with sugar. Uh, yeah, it's been used medicinally, medicinally, traditionally, and as a source of perfume. Uh, ancient Greeks, Romans, and Phoenicians uh, considered public rose gardens to be very important. Sometimes used to make lemonade or mask unplay- or mask tap water. Uh, yeah, it can be a common ingredient in a lot of different flavor foods, and it can be used in uh, different uh, religious ceremonies. Uh, 
So that's a little bit about rose water. Oh, this is Jim Ginger Snap. Oh, I just thought Ginger Nut, Ginger Snap, Ginger Snap, a Ginger Nut, or Ginger Biscuit. Uh, these are UK, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, most of the former empire, they're called Ginger Nuts, uh, not to be confused with Pepper Nuts, uh, which are a variety of gingerbread, smaller in diameter. Uh, in 2019, ginger nuts were the 10th most popular biscuit to be dunked in tea. They're the most popular biscuit in New Zealand, normally attributed to its tough texture, which can withstand dunking in liquid. 60 million produced each year. There was a book even called 60 Million Ginger Nuts, uh, The Scooter Story. Uh, in Australia, Arnott's Biscuits produce four different regional varieties of ginger nut to suit people's tastes. In Canada and the U.S., they're usually drop cookies called ginger snaps. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little—who <laughs> you calling a ginger nut? Uh, okay, any other ones? Uh, Cornish shortbread. Oh, we do need to know what— Pithicilli, oh, Bannock. That's what I wanted to look up, Bannock. And uh, I just got to keep an eye on our time here. Oh, shortbread. This is just a long one about shortbread. A traditional Scottish biscuit made from one part sugar, two parts butter, and three parts flour. Wow, that's very easy to... uh, Can have other ingredients that alter the texture. Sometimes they get... Sometimes there's two types of sugar. Some add salts. Unlike other cookies or baked goods, it does not have any leavening. Shortbread is also associated with uh, holidays. Uh, it's so named because of the crumbly texture uh, from an old meaning of the word short as opposed to long and stretch or stretchy. The cause of its texture is a high fat content from the butter and the short texture is because the uh, fat in- inhibits the formation of gluten strands. Uh, Shortbread is different from shortcake, although they are similar. And, yeah, there's a lot about this. Uh, but, yeah, it's a little bit of shortbread. Bannock, B-A-N-N-O-C-K, is a flat, quick bread. Uh, cooked from grain, cut into sections before serving. Uh, yeah, baked dough. Uh, Bannocks originally were heavy flat cakes of unleavened barley or oatmeal dough formed into a round or oval shape and cooked on a griddle and uh, made with baking powder, baking soda. And yeah, that's uh, what else we got here. Selkirk Bannock. So that's part of my Selkirk's important word for me uh, because it's a state park I really like in New York. Selkirk Shores. Uh, Selkirk Bannock from Scotland is well-known and named after the Scottish borders where it's traditionally made. It's a spongy, buttery variety, sometimes compared to fruitcake, but made with wheat flour, but it has a lot of raisins. Uh, Sir Queen Victoria visited Sir Walter Scott's granddaughter. She said she took her tea with a slice of Selkirk Bannock, uh, and its reputation was enshrined forever. And today they're popular and can be found at most large supermarkets. Uh, indigenous North Americans, uh, Bannock, Scone, or Scone, are found throughout Native American cuisine. It's uh, also uh, indigenous Canadian and Alaskan cuisine, uh, the First Nations, and the rest of Canada. 
and uh, the Native Americans of the United States. So is it an import or not? Uh, a type of bannock used to making available resources, such as flour from maize roots, tree sap, and leavening agents, may have been produced by indigenous North Americans prior uh, uh, to contact uh, with uh, any, anyone from Scotland, uh, similar to modern cornbread. Though some say that's not true, so, you know, it goes back and forth. It's generally prepared with a white or whole wheat flour, baking powder, sugar, lard, water, milk, uh, combined and kneaded uh, with other flavorings, uh, then fried and rendered fat, vegetable oil, shortening. Bannock is the most universal of dish- dishes in indigenous Canadian re- repertoire. Uh, however, modern recipes for Bannock are clearly influenced uh, uh, by food, food access in the 19th century. So there's a lot here. This seems like an important food, and especially important food when we look at uh, when we look at our relationship and and uh, with our indigenous peoples. It, it, it does seem like it's different than fry bread, but. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to learn more about that. Okay, let's see in our time here. Well, let's let's finish up with the Lake District, if it comes up. I mean, I think we talked about this. Uh, it's a mountainous region in uh, northwest England, popular holiday destination. Uh, it has, and I think this is yeah, it'll come up. Uh, watch TV shows where people are, where uh, Steve Coogan was touring around in it. Uh, it also has associations with uh, Wordsworth, uh, Beatrix Potter, John Ruskin. Lake District National Park was established in 1951. It's located in Cumbria. Uh, it's or- historically divided between three counties, Cumberland, Westmoreland, and Lancashire. Lancashire, uh, sometimes referred to as the Lake Counties, uh, and uh, all the land in England higher than 3,000 feet above sea level lies within the National Park. It contains the deepest and largest natural lakes in England. Uh, the, park, the park district includes all of the central lake district uh, and some towns. Uh, it got extended by 3% in 2016. It's the most visited national park in the UK, 15.8 million uh, let's see, communications, roads, railways, uh, footpaths, and bridleways. There's many paths uh, which the public has a right of way, all of which should be signposted. There's public footpaths, public bridleways, uh, restricted byways, byways open to all traffic. There's also right to roam in the open country. Uh, ridge highways, uh, passes for traveling across the ridges, beginning settlements and valleys, as woodlands, hills, uh, a lot. Of, this is a place I definitely would like to visit. So I'd have to figure out when is the best time to swim. Uh, yeah, this this is very okay. Here's the the. Uh, the hottest time of year looks like it's uh, August or July. So I'd have to go in July. Also, July doesn't have the least amount of rain, but it has a lot less than August. It's home to a lot of wildlife. Uh, 
It tourist has slowly developed or quickly developed or historically been developed. Gastron, oh yeah. So it's getting popular popular for food tours, I think. Uh, it's popular in literature. And let's see if this shows on here, if I can get to it. Nomenculture, references. I don't know. I thought that uh, the trip with Steve Coogan and uh, someone whose name's from, from missing right now. Uh, let's see. Taylor Swift uh, has something called The Lakes. Uh, School of Art uh, is in a novel. I don't see anything about it, so maybe it wasn't there. Charlotte Turner Smith, Pride uh, and Prejudice, Melvin Bragg. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's a little bit about the Lake District, and uh, let me pick up one more thing that's more sleepy, so I can uh, uh, carry you off into Dreamland here. Brandy snap masala chai. Masala chai, yeah, is a tea beverage mixed by black tea with milk and water and aromatic herbs and spices. Started on the Indian subcontinent, but it's gained worldwide popularity. It's a feature in many coffee and tea houses. Uh, traditionally, it's uh, green green cardamom pods, cinnamon sticks, ground cloves, ground ginger, black peppercorn, black tea leaves. But re- retail versions include tea, tea bags for infusion or powdered mixtures or concentrate. Uh, chai is kind of derived from, uh, eventually from the Chinese word for tea, cha. Uh, in English, the spiced tea is commonly referred to as masala chai or simply chai or chai latte or chai tea latte, uh, depending on where you're buying it. Uh, it could be made with steamed milk, like a cafe latte but with a spiced tea concentrate instead of espresso. Uh, let's see. Ingredients. Yeah, we kind of covered that. Tea. Strong black tea. So maybe this might be good for me because if it's if it has enough, uh, I mean, I do like it, but, I'm, you know, for me, it's like I don't try not to have any caffeine after noon, and then I drink so much coffee in the morning because I need something strong. Uh, it does have some sugar in it. Uh, Simplest preparation is through decoction, simmering and boiling milk, water, loose leaf tea, sweeteners, and spices. Uh, uh, You could buy a mix uh, for this purpose uh, or blend your own. And uh, you can do it based on your own thing. Consumption of tea. Tea base mixes and concentrates. You can even get a grant again. I think uh, it's another thing that also, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Four Sigmatic sold uh, cold chai you could have with whipped cream and an iced. Uh, it could be compared, prepared with herbal tea or yerba mate. Uh, some people have even started adding espresso, 1990s, uh, Java chai, red eye chai, tough guy chai. Oh boy. So that's a little bit about chai and that's, uh, a little bit about the first episode so far of, uh, G, 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 B, G, B, B, G, G, B, B, O. Good night.